Welcome to the Encounter Church Message Podcast, where we bring you the latest messages from our Sunday services. To find out more about Encounter or to plan your visit with us, you can find us online at www.encounter.cc. We hope you enjoy this message. Names and frames, what is it about? Well, well, firstly, what it's not about is names and shame is what the world gives us. The world gives us names. The world puts labels on us. They, it categorizes us. Um, you're, you're tall, you're short, you're this ethnic race, you're from this country, you're generation X, you're generation Y, you're, you're, you're a child, um, you're a teenager, you're a 20-something, you're middle-aged, you're a young adult, um, you're, you're a retiree, you're a... Like, all through life, we have these labels on us, don't we? These, and sometimes, we, you know, we've got like 10 labels going at the same time. You know, you're a father, you're a son, you're a, you're a daughter, you're a mother, you're a, you're a boss, you're a worker. You're, you're, we're living with all these categories and labels upon us that the world wants to put us in. It wants to put us into this box. And, and once it's got us in that box, we then live out of that name, that, that label. See, a label is something you put on from the outside. A label gets attached to your back. Maybe it's a name that you've been called. Somebody categorized you as this. They, they called you that. You, you were this when you went to school. And, and those names, as Kathy spoke last week, continue through life. And we live out of those names. And, and the world, when we step out of that category, there's a shame. Oh, I, I, I'm not acting like, I'm a lawyer, but I, I don't dress like a lawyer. I'm not acting like a lawyer. Or I'm a pastor, but I'm, oh, you've got to look like this to be a pastor, don't you? And you've got to act like this. You've got to, and we step out of them and say, oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not a good enough lawyer because I don't meet the labels. And, and so we, there's shame when we can't live up to the labels that the world puts on us. But see, God is different. He doesn't label you. He names you. And that all he does is he identifies within you who you really are. He illuminates in your heart your nature and who he's called you and created you to be. He just shows you who you really are. And out of the name that God gives you, he frames us. There's an image of glasses. There's an image of, of a lens. He, he shows you this is the way. He says, this is who you are. This is how you, who I created you to be. This is your nature and your giftings and your abilities. And then he sets us on a course and says, that's the way for you. This is, and all of a sudden you see life differently. We see life differently when we live out of the perspective that God's given us. And he gives us a promise. He gives us a promise once he names you and he causes you to see with clarity direction that you should go. He attaches a promise to that for your life to follow. And that's what we're talking about today. And this week, part three is never give up on a promise. Never give up on a promise. And we've been doing this series out of Isaiah 62. And so I'm continu continuing that today and verse 6 to 9 is what we're working on. I'm going to just read that out. We just heard the whole thing, but this is what we're looking at today. I've posted watchmen on your walls, Jerusalem, Shepparton, Golden Valley. Day and night they keep at it, praying, calling out, reminding God to remember. They are to give him no peace until he does what he said, till he makes Jerusalem famous as a city of praise. God has taken a solemn oath. An oath is a promise. An oath he means to keep. Never again will I open your grainful barns to your enemies to loot and to eat. Never again will foreigners drink the wine that you work so hard to produce. No, the farmers will grow the food, will eat the food and praise God for it. And those who make the wine will drink the wine in my holy courts. So that's what we're working on today. So my first point, if you're taking notes, is has anyone ever made a promise to you? What, just think about it. What promises have been made over your life? What, what promises has somebody made to you? Like, they've promised you 
take you out for dinner maybe. Maybe someone's promised you a family business. I don't know. What promises? Just think about them. I have a bit of a sad story of a promise. When I was nine, my grandfather promised me when I turned 12, he would give me a horse. Grandfather, you know, you're nine, he, he, he's like God, isn't he? My grandfather, he, everything he says is going to work. He's your grandfather. I'll give you a horse. We lived in the suburbs. We just had a normal house block. It's not my problem. He said he's going to give me a horse. Like, he's going to give me a horse. He's obviously going to adjust it on some property. I don't know how he's going to make it. I just trust he's made a promise. Tenth birthday, I'm going to get a horse. Eleventh birthday, I'm going to get a horse. I, I'm, I still remember it now. Twelfth birthday, oh, you live in a house block. You can't have a horse. I was devastated. I remember as a 12-year-old thinking, you can't even trust your grand. Like, why would you make a promise you can't keep? It kind of, kind of left me, and, and it was something I always remembered. It's like, why would you make a promise to a nine-year-old kid that you'd give them a horse when they're 12, and then when they turn 12, oh, we can't do that. I remember thinking, well, I wasn't very impressed, I'll tell you that. I, I looked at him in a different light. I don't believe anything he says anymore. Well, the Bible says in Proverbs 13, 12, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope deferred. Yeah, we, we, I was sick in my stomach. Like, you know, when someone promises you something, they don't fulfill it or, or it doesn't come to pass. You, you feel sick in your spirit. You're oh, the disappointment of that. But the Bible says, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. When somebody fulfills promise, it's, it's a joy, isn't it? We get excited. It's, it's a life to us. See, the Bible is a book of promise. God speaks promise over your life and over my life. We get crushed when, when a desire or, or, or promise doesn't happen. How do you feel when, you're, when someone promises you something and they don't deliver? Like, how do you feel? Some of us, we get angry. Some of us, we get disappointed. Sometimes we could get bitter. Like, we could get bitter. Hey, you promised a business partner, made a promise, and then they ripped you off or they pulled out of the deal at the last second or, you know, you, you go into some kind of thing with a friend and your friend kind of goes, oh, that's not going to work for me now and leaves you hanging. You know, we could get bitter about business dealings and stuff where people have made promises and that they didn't fulfill. Sometimes you can give up on life. You know, you, this is the devastation of a disappointment. I remember a time and in, in, in quite a few years ago and, and, and some guys, you know, in the church said, hey, if you put your hand up for that role, we'll vote for you. If you put your hand up. And then another guy came to me and said, hey, if you put your hand up, I'm going to vote for All separately said it to me, not knowing. Oh, okay, okay, if you think I can do it. So I went and put my hand up, out on the water, put my hand up. Let, let's have a vote. No hands went up. No hands went up. I tell you, it took me probably 12 months to get over that. Like, it was like, don't come and tell me to go for something and you're going to vote for me. And then they have the vote and you don't put your hand up. It's like, that can be devastating to people in life when, 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 when people make promises. It's about trust. It's about relationship. That can really hurt your soul. But see, a promise that just doesn't happen yet could be a delayed promise. And a delayed promise doesn't mean it's not going to happen. It just means it's not according to my timings. And it's a bit like that with God. He can make promises and, and we go, oh, he made a promise. God made a promise to me and it hasn't happened. But just because it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean it's not a promise that won't happen. See, Bible says that God's ways are not my ways. His timings are not my timings. His expectations of how things are not my expectations. So we've got to go through life and go, okay, I've got this promise from God. How it's going to look, what it's going to look like, the timing of it, that's not something that I can control. 
And you know when you get a promise and you think, oh, you read the Bible and it says this, you, you get an image in your own head how it's going to happen, don't you? I do. The circum- you know, this circumstance is going to happen. That's gonna- and when the circumstances start happening, you go, oh, here the promise is coming. And then it doesn't happen. And you get devastated. But you could be living in another city, in another country with another group of people, and God fulfills that promise. Like, his ways are not our ways. We- if we throw the expectation out and the timing out and we just trust that God is who he is, we won't get disappointed. And we just trust that he has everything in control. I don't understand it. I have a little human mind. And he's the creator of the heavens and the earth. He's got it. He, 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 it's his thing. I think we can continue the journey knowing that. You see, promises give us hope. The promise gives you hope. That something's going to happen. Promise is God telling us or somebody telling us a future event before it happens. A promise is a hope of a, of, a, of a different reality or circumstance. And the whole Bible is a book of promise. The Bible is an ultimate promise. The story of the Bible is promise. That God said that if you believe in my son, that he died upon a cross for your sins, and you confess him as Lord of your life, and, and then, then you will be saved. You will have eternal life. You will, when this body dies, you'll get a new body and you'll live forever. It's a promise of eternity. A promise of an eternal life is the book of the Bible. God is a God of promise. His whole book is a book full of promises. And the whole wrapping of it is one big promise for your life and for your future. See, we can, we can have promises where to give us hope. Somebody could say to you, hey, and you know, I'm not, Shane's got his business. He could, he could make a promise to Robbie. Hey, when I pass away... You're going, to inherit my, you're going to inherit the dynasty that I've created with my farm. And if you said that to me, I'd take it pretty seriously. And if it didn't happen, I'd be disappointed, wouldn't I? So sometimes you can work in businesses because someone's promised you. And, and you hold on to that. You continue, don't we? That, that promise of that thing happening is it gets us through different circumstances. You, know, you might be under the pump right now with work and you're busy and you're flat out and you've got the stress of your kids and, 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 and the husband, he says, hey, in June when it's really cold and shit, I'm going to take you and the family to Hawaii. You know, that promise gets you through, doesn't it? I'm gonna, I'll go to work and put up with this because he's promised we're going to Hawaii. You know, as a husband, you've got to take her to Hawaii, Hawaii don't you? You've got to fulfill the promise. Maybe you're in a job and you're doing lots of overtime you're traveling long distances. You're putting up with a lot of rubbish at the moment. But the boss has promised you a promotion in February. When February comes, you're going to get that promotion. You know, the promise of that promotion will cause you to go through hardships, go the extra mile, put up with stuff that you normally wouldn't put up with. See, the Bible is a book of promise to encourage us to continue on our journey, to continue through the stuff that's happening that we may not understand, but knowing that God has his promise that he will fulfill in your life and for your life, we can get through a lot of stuff when we have hope in his promise. Promises in the Bible, there's heaps of them, eternal life. The Bible says that if we lack wisdom, to ask God and he will give us wisdom. The Bible says that Jesus will never leave us or forsake us. He will not abandon you. You're not alone. There's a promise in the Bible. There's promises of of protection in the Bible, that God's got our back, that he's with you, he's for you. There's promises that he has a future for you and that he has a plan for your life. The Bible is full of promises. If you don't have a promise, go to the Bible and grab one. The promises are for people that believe. People that to choose to follow him. It's full of richness of promises. There's, There's promises if you sow, you will reap. Whether it be good or bad, you'll reap. There's promises if you give, it'll be given back to you. 
There's promises that if you put God first with your finances and tithe, that he will fill your barns. I'm not making that promise up. That's in the Bible. He will fill our life to overflowing. There are promises that he has that we can go before him and petition him and hold him accountable because that's what this passage talks about. He says, if you draw near to him, he promises to draw near to you. And maybe that's you today and you feel like God's far from you. Well, if you draw near to him, he promises to draw near to you. Amen. Okay, bit of participation here, okay? Front row's participating. Everybody else, back row, you're participating here. You've got to encourage me, inspire me, and pretend we're an American kind of church where they're screaming their heads. No, don't do whatever you have to do. But let's be engaged. Okay. The promise is one thing. Who gives the promise is another. Promise is one thing. Shane committed his farm to me. I, it's like money in the bank. It's money in the bank. Grandfather, he's not alive anymore, but yeah, yeah. It's, there's, there's, there's a bit of noise out there. Okay. You've got teenage kids. I'm not picking on teenage kids, but, but when your teenage daughter says the dishes will be done before you get home, that, uh, I've got two girls, yeah. Or uh, my, my room will get clean on Saturday morning. You know, <laughs> who's given the promise? Do you know what I mean? Depends on who's given the promise where you take it really seriously, hey. <laughs> Uncle at Christmas says, hey, I'm going to, when I win the lot, I'm going to take everyone to wear it. You know, yeah, whatever, Uncle. I mean, the, who says it is determines whether we take it seriously or not, isn't it? Where does the promise come from? The Bible says in Numbers 23, 19, God is not man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? See, when God speaks promises over our lives, it says that he's not like us, where we might renege or forget. Or He is God. He remembers his promises. He's faithful and true to fulfill his promise. If God didn't fulfill his promise, he'd be going against his very nature of who he is. His nature is one of truth. His nature is one to fulfill. Unless the promise had a condition on it, which they do. And if we don't part, feel, fulfill our part, then the promise falls over. But when God gives you a promise without conditions, he's going to do it in his timing and in his season. It also says in, I've got a lot of scriptures. It's okay to read a lot of scriptures in church, isn't it? Yeah. I think it's okay. I like lots of scriptures because that word says it better than I can say it. So why repeat what the word says? It says in Isaiah 62. No, it doesn't. It says in Psalm 27, 14. Wait for the Lord. Wait is being patient. Wait is trusting in him. Wait is allowing him to do it the way he wants to do it. Waiting is allowing his timing to have its fullness and the circumstances to be the circumstances that he chooses. That's what waiting is. And let your heart be strong. It's hard in those times of being waiting. There's persistence. We have to continue, but let your heart be strong. Take courage and wait for the Lord. Verse 8 and 9 of Isaiah 62 says this. This is about the promise. I'm going to read this again because it's the word. God has taken a solemn oath. God has made a promise, it means. An oath he means to keep. Never again will I open your grain-filled barns to your enemies to loot and eat. Never again will foreigners drink that wine that you work so hard to produce. No, the farmers will grow the food, will eat the food, and praise God for it. For those who make the wine will drink the wine in their holy courts. God is making a promise to Israel. 
God, is, God makes promises over our life. Why? To tease us, to taunt us, to give us false hope. No, He gives us promises to give us hope for a better day because it's going to happen one day if we trust in Him. Have you ever, I mean, you know, maybe you've never been to church before, but possibly you've thought, you've been through a tough time. You've got on your knees and thought, I don't know if there's a God, but if you're real, I'm, I pray that this would happen. And, and maybe you felt like, hey, you might have even in that circumstance felt like God heard your prayer. But maybe you've been reading the scriptures, the Bible, and you saw some promises in there and it just like illuminated to you. And you thought, oh, I, th- I think that's a promise that is speaking to me. It's a promise over my life. Or maybe you've been in prayer and you prayed a prayer one night or, or, and you called out to God. And in, in that, you, you actually felt like he heard you. You know, anyone experience those things? You, you feel like there's been a promise that identified with you. And, and I've had a couple of these. And this first one sounds really cool and spiritual. Um, well, I guess it is. Um, I, um, just after I met Kathy, I went to, I was already booked a trip to Israel. And so I had a, a month in Israel and Greece. I was only 20. I was on my own a lot. And I was at the Holy Land Hotel in Jerusalem. That's, that's very spiritual, isn't it? Holy Land Hotel in Jerusalem. And I was at a prayer conference. I think, what a nerdy 20-year-old you were, hey. But anyway, that's, I was, anyway, that's what I did. And I was at this prayer conference, and I was in my room one day, because I, you know, I was on my own, and I was just prayed a prayer. I'm not going to tell you the prayer, but I, I just prayed this prayer. And at the end of the prayer, I saw, like, I'm not making this up, I saw a vision, like an image. And I saw a vision of my face, like from here up, like it was just like that. And I saw this, like, like you know, those dynamo labelers things, you know, or like ticker tape things I used to have on the Adams family, people remember the Adams family, you know, Gomez, and, and this piece of like thin paper went out of my mouth, like that, and then I saw this hand like come down below my face from above, and it picked it up, and it took it, and it went up, yeah, and it was pretty powerful, and I knew that God heard that prayer, like I, I was like, I think God's just telling me he heard my prayer, one of the prayers that I'll tell you was stop being like, was to marry Kathy. And we got married. So that was one of the prayers. The other prayer hasn't fully come to pass yet, but it's in process. But I know that God's heard that prayer. And it was a promise because he, he, he wants to encourage us. Another time was just to give you maybe, you know, you think, how does God speak to people? I've not heard of this thing. You know, a number of years I was is in a worship type thing like we had the other night here where we just had free worship and praise and God. And, and I was just in there praying and not expecting anything. And I heard a voice you know, I don't know if you've experienced this. It, it wasn't my own voice going, you know, I'm going to Macca's after this. It wasn't, you know what I mean? Your own, you hear your own consciousness, don't you, inside of you, thinking, oh, what's going on? When's this finished? When's this guy having it? You know, you're not saying it out loud. But it wasn't my voice. It was like a third party. It was like a, another person living inside of me. And they just said this little statement. And, and it's like a feather was on my soul. It was just this whisper. It was just like a whisper. Because the Bible says that God's voice is like a still, small voice. And that is and that the voice of the Holy Spirit often is 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 is, is like um, um, a whisper. That's what I'm trying to say. And this voice just went, "Just follow me. It won't be small. Just follow me." I talk about it a lot because it was just so, so profound. I went, "Where did that come from?" I just follow you. It's not going to be small. What does it look like? What is it for exactly? I don't know. I've just got to go. You know what? I, I've got to change my expectations of what that will look like and what that's about. It just said, follow me. It's not going to be small. So my part of it is just to follow him. Let him work out the rest. So maybe that could help you that, that if God's made a promise over your life, let's stop trying to work it out and just go, you know what? He is who he is. He is who he said he is. He's going to work it out. I don't know what it's going to look like. 
Because if we paint the picture of how we think things should go and it doesn't go that way, we think God hasn't fulfilled his promise, this hasn't happened. Hey, let him be God. But what are some promises over your life? What, like my little stories there, have you had little things where you felt some impression or you've read the Bible or there's, there's been a promise from God that he's spoken for you? Maybe it's a promise for a healing. Maybe it was a promise that you would, you would get married one day. Maybe it was a promise that, that he would open some door for career, whether it to be some kind of famous singer or, or worship leader or, or to, to, you know, what is the thing in you that you really feel like is a promise over your life that God has for you? Just think about what those promises could be. My next point is remind the promise keeper to be, remind the promise maker to be a promise keeper. Remind the promise maker to be a promise keeper. Because it says in verse 6 and 7 of Isaiah, I've posted watchmen on your walls, Jerusalem, Shepparton, Encounter Church, your life. Day and night they keep at it, praying and calling out, reminding God to remember. They to give him no peace. It's like a child, isn't it? It wants a, a lolly at the supermarket. They keep going until they give you no peace. Until he does what he said, until he makes Jerusalem, until he makes Shepherd, until he makes your life famous as a city of praise. See, we have to remind promise makers. Like, like if, if, if my friend here told me I can have the farm one day, I, I, I'll tell you every year I'm going to say, hey, remember the promise? Yeah, yeah, I remember. We've got to make people remember. Sometimes people have made promises to you, they've forgotten. They, they've forgotten about it. It was 10 years later. They just forgot. My grandfather, I'm sure he forgot about it once he said it. Didn't think about it. I'm the one who kept thinking about it every year. We've got to remind people. Hey, Dad, you said you come to soccer on Saturday morning. Did I? I don't remember that. Oh, yeah, last Monday night, remember? Oh, yeah. Sometimes we just need to, if someone's made a promise in your life, maybe now and then you have to just check in with them. Hey, remember the promise? Just remind them because people forget. But the thing is, God doesn't forget. God doesn't forget, but we can forget. What happens when your promise comes to pass and you forgot about the promise? Who's God's going, well, I, I did it for you, and you're like, did what? I don't even know. See, we've got to remember what God's promises are to us so that when he does it, we can give him thanks. When he does it, we can go, that was awesome. Michael. God is glorified when he fulfills his promise to you. And if you can't remember a promise that he's made to you, how badly do you actually want it? Do you know what I mean? If, 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 if Shane said to me, you're going to have the family farm, like, it's, it's a trick. Like, the, it, generations own that farm. It's worth money and hard work and people's livelihood. Like, there's a lot of value in that. And if I just said nothing about it each year, like, well, does he actually want the farm? Like, how badly do you want this thing? If God's made a promise to you, are you reminding him? Are you praying about it? Because he's thinking, well, do you actually really want it? I'll give it to you, and you're not even going to do anything with it. So he wants to know how hungry, how desperate, how much you want the promise over your life. We need to petition him. That's what passage is saying. It's saying, hey, Jerusalem, if you want this prosperity, if you, if you want foreigners not to eat your foods, if you want me to be a city of praise, if you want to be a shepherd and to be a, a city of praise, how badly do you want it? If you want your life to be a city of praise, how badly do you want it? Are you coming before me? Are you asking me? Are you praying? Are you seeking me? Are you reminding me? Is this of value to you? Is Someone's got a promise they're going to give to somebody. They're giving something up to bring it. Why should I give up what I have to fulfill the promise I made to you when you don't even care about it? You're not even willing to pay a price for it. You're not even willing to talk and pray. And God wants to fill promises over your life, but are we going before him like a watchman? See, the watchman on the walls is an imagery of battle and war and, and looking out for enemies. And the, the watchman on the wall are, are expectant. 
They've got their eyes open. Are we expected? Are we looking out? Are we hoping? Are we, are we coming before God? Are we petitioning Him that it could happen? It may happen. When's it going to happen? God. There's a, a sense of battle within that, that passage He's saying to them to be on the wall. And there's a thing called intercessory prayer, if you never heard that. And, and, and that's a thing where, where people petition God constantly and day and night. Or, you know, we have intercessory prayer people in this church. They're always praying for Kathy and I. And I, I get messages. I've been up since 3 a.m. praying for you, God. Like, I, you know, it's so good to someone's soul that somebody's praying for you. They're fighting spiritual battles for you because you don't know what's blocking your promise. It may not be God. It may be spiritual forces. There's a passage in Daniel, which I'm going to read. Daniel chapter 10, verse 12 to 13. This is an angel that came to Daniel. And Daniel made a prayer to God to understand something. And it says, when the angel came to him, it said, Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. See, just because you don't see a result in front of you right now, doesn't mean your words weren't heard by the Father in heaven. He heard your words just because you can't see it. We have to believe it and trust. And I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me for 21 days. There are spiritual forces that we don't understand and see. There's a kingdom of light and a kingdom of darkness. And your prayers could be hindered by spiritual forces. That's why we have to be a watchman on the wall. That's why we have to pray and continue. Because your prayers have spiritual power and force within it. Yes, please clap. It's not a golf course. Get excited. Get excited. Ultimately, my third point is we have to have faith and trust in the promise maker. We have to trust that they can fulfill their word. It comes down to trust. Hebrews 11.1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is, is the fulfillment, the hope of the promise being fulfilled. That Put promise in there. Faith is a substance of things promised, the evidence of things not seen. See, you have faith because you believe and trust that the promise maker will be a promise keeper. And that's what faith is. You know who they are. It says in Hebrews eleven six, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without trusting in Him, you can't please Him. It pleases God when we trust and we have faith and we just say, you've got this. I know. I don't know how it's going to happen. It says, for he comes to God, he who comes to God must believe that he is, that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. We got to, they're like watching on the wall. Those that diligently seek Him. Diligently seek him isn't saying I prayed it once and then it should just happen. It's diligently seeking him, petitioning him, praying. God, you said this. When's this promise coming? I'm reminding you. I'm reminding you, God. Praying it out. So there's some great examples of faith in the Bible. Is this encouraging you? Is this encouraging you that, that God will do what he said for your life? See, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. By faith, Enoch was taken away so he didn't see death. He didn't physically die. He was taken to heaven. You might believe it or not. Well, that's what it says. By faith, that happened. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear and he built an ark. By faith, because he judged him faithful, the promise maker. By faith, Abraham obeyed a voice to go and leave his hometown, not knowing where he was going because he trusted the promise maker that he was giving him a promised land. And he went out by faith. By faith, Sarah, who couldn't have kids, got strength to conceive a child because she judged him faithful who had promised. 
By faith, Abraham was tested and he offered up his son. He didn't kill him, but he offered up his son. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the daughter, the, the, the son of Pharaoh's daughter. By faith, the Israelites passed through the Red Sea as if on dry land. And by faith, the walls of Jericho came to pass and came down. See, it is, it is knowing that God's given you a promise and it's having faith that he will fulfill it that you will see your promises, you will see your miracles, you will see breakthrough, but we don't go tired and weary and give up. We have to take courage in our hearts and continually bring remembrance to him, trusting that he will do it. We inherit the promises of God through faith and persistence. It says in Hebrews 11, 32, 35, I'm near the end of all these scriptures, and what more shall I say? For time would fail me. So the, the writer of Hebrews is reminding us of all these exploits and things that happened because people had faith in the promise giver about his promise. Would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, something like that, of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith, this is what they did. They conquered kingdoms. They enforced justice. They obtained promises. They stopped the mouths of lions. They quenched the power of fire. They escaped the edge of the sword were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. You know what? It's never too late for God to fulfill a promise. Your promise could be dead and buried and you can say, Pastor Robert, you don't understand. My promise can't happen because this happened. It's gone. It's dead. But the Bible tells us that He is the Creator. He can resurrect the dead. He can resurrect your promise. He can resurrect that thing He put in your heart as a little child. Because He is the Creator of the heavens and the earth. And there is nothing impossible for Him. He can raise the dead. Unless a seed is planted in the ground and dies, the Bible says, it can't come alive again and produce. Sometimes there's, there's desires and things within us that we want. And God's just saying, die to that thing. Let that promise go. Maybe you have to let the promise go at times. You have to bury it in the ground and say, God, unless you resurrect it, it's not going to happen. Unless you raise it from the dead. And sometimes he wants us to be in that place where we, we put to death some things. We let it go. We just give it to God and we let that seed grow in his timing and produce that fruit. As I conclude today, and the music people could start heading up, God in his Bible has given us so many amazing promises. And, and if you don't feel like there's one in your life, and I challenge you to, to pray and seek him and ask him to speak to your spirit and your soul. And, but he promises if, if we confess Jesus as Lord that we'll go to heaven. There's a promise for you if you've never been to church before, that that's a promise that you will have eternal life. We need to be, and I need to be, and you need to be like watchmen on a wall, walking around, looking out, being expected, looking out for an enemy, seeking, reminding God, petitioning him, and praying to him, calling out to God day and night to fulfill his word until the promise comes to pass, until I see a breakthrough, until he answers it, until, it's been 20 years, I don't care, until, until, until God moves, until he fulfills his timing. Faith and trust move God. That's what the scriptures tell us. Faith and trust move God. God, and it's impossible to please Him without it. I haven't got a scripture for this, but Hebrews 6.12 says, it is through faith and patience we inherit God's promises. Faith, patience. Faith now, patience now that it will happen here. Faith and patience will get you to the fulfillment of that promise. You know, sometimes we have to work hard to believe. It's not just about faith, it'll happen. Sometimes we have to work hard to believe. 
Bible says faith without works is dead. Sometimes it's hard to keep trying. Sometimes it's hard to get up again. Sometimes it's hard to persist. Sometimes it's hard to walk in faith. But faith and works work together to have their perfect fruitfulness. And if we could stand today, I just want to pray over people. If we could all just stand, just stay in this atmosphere right now and just look to God, whether you know Him or not, or you don't, you think this is weird, just, just patronize me. Just stand and if I could get you guys to close your eyes, I, I just want to pray over every heart, every person in this room. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Jesus, that you know every promise. I, Father, I thank you, you are a promise maker, but more than that, you are the promise keeper. And I pray, Lord, that your word does not return to you void, that you fulfill the things you speak in our life, whether through scriptures or, or personally. And I pray for every promise, Father, every promise that might have been broken, Father, from, from a human, Lord. I just pray for healing and I pray for forgiveness. And I, I, I pray, Lord, you'd help those people through that journey, Lord, Father, to trust and believe again. But I pray, Father, for every promise in this room that, that is from you over people's lives, that you fulfill those promises that you give us patience, Father. You help us with our faith. Help us with our persistence. Help us to keep calling out to you, Lord. We're calling out to you right now. And we're praying for this city of Shepparton and this whole region, Father, for your hand to move and, and for revival and for families and for community and for life. And I pray for every family in this room that's going for difficult times and frustrations and hurts. I pray for healing, Father. I pray, Father, for restoration of marriages, Father. I pray for restoration of relationships with sons and daughters, Father. I pray for a new day. I pray, Father, that the promises you've spoken over this church, Father, that you would fulfill in your timing and your ways, which are way beyond us. And I lift up every heart in this room, Father, that has a promise within it, Father, that you'd inspire them and encourage them to continue, Father, and continue and to petition you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's put our hands together and give thanks to God. Thank you for listening to this message. To stay in touch with Encounter, follow us on Instagram at encounter.cc or find us at Facebook at encounter.shepparton.